Hey, welcome to another exciting podcast from Freedom House Church. My name is Troy Maxwell. I'm the senior pastor of our church. We are one church that meets in multiple locations, which means we have different communicators at all of our different locations. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from one of our teaching teams. I know that it will bless you. You will walk away changed. So enjoy this message. Hey, what's happening? Freedom House. Welcome to the last Sunday of 2019. You guys excited about moving into 2020? Come on. I'm very excited about it. I don't know if you guys have been getting anything out of this White Elephant series, but I've been getting a lot out of it. I mean, we've learned how to get rid of doubt, get rid of unforgiveness, get rid of temptation, and get exactly what God has for us, which is his best. So I've been learning so much in this series. I'm very excited about what we got going on today. We're still talking about White Elephants, and I got to go there. So, we got a white elephant gift one year, and let me tell you what it was. Really bad. Yeah, bad, bad gift, bad gift. So, it was a, a Beethoven, and it stood about this tall. A Beethoven bust. Yeah, just the top portion of him, nonetheless. <laughs> it was very weird. And I'm looking at this thing, and it's like got this green color, kind of copper. It's supposed to look like a statue in the park. Yeah, it didn't look like a statue in no. the park. It looked like... Yeah, junk. Anyways, um, <laughs> anyways, so I get this bright idea. We have a piano in the house, so I'm like, maybe if I just go ahead and repaint this thing, put a new texture on it, it might look pretty good, and we can make it look pretty good on sitting on top of the piano. Yeah. So I decided to do that. I decided to repaint it, try to make it look the best I can, put it up on the piano. And, you know, every time I look past, walk past that thing and looked at it, I'm like, yeah, that, that still is not good. It's just not, <laughs> not good, good at all. So what we finally decided to do is get rid of that thing. That's right. Just get it out of the house. And it made me think, isn't that exactly what we do with some of the things we're handed in life? Is that we're like, yeah, this isn't good, but maybe I can make it look okay in my life. Wow. Maybe I can mask it a little bit, you know, put a little bit different texture on it, maybe give it a little smoother finish, and I'll just put it on the shelf in my life. Yep. And... Then all of a sudden it rears its ugly head one day right. when you're walking past and you realize you've never, and you've, you've never gotten rid of it. <laughs> that Sorry. was funny, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, but anyways, that's why we're talking about white elephant gifts. It's something we've received that we don't need to hang on to anymore. God has a better plan for us. We don't need to hang right. on to those things. And we're going to hear some great stories today about white elephant gifts. I'm very, very excited about what we have to store. That's right. You're probably wondering what's happening because things look a little differently today than normal. And our pastors, they love um, making sure that we have a live communicator at every single one of our campuses every weekend. Well, that's because we have a teaching team. But today, you're not just going to get one communicator. You're actually going to get five because we are doing what we call around Freedom House a five on five. Can you say that with me? Five on five. That's right, so that's five speakers that each have five minutes to share an incredible story of what God has done in their life. And I know that you're gonna relate to at least one, if not every single one of them today as they share. Now, one thing that we wanna tell you is that there are rules. When we say they have five minutes, we're serious about that, and we need you to help us keep the rules. So here's what we're gonna do. In a few minutes, Aaron's gonna introduce the first speaker, and when he tells you to, you're gonna jump up on your feet, and you're gonna give them the biggest applause just to encourage them and cheer them on because many of them, this is their first time sharing their story publicly. So you're going to cheer them on. Okay, so then when they start to speak, that's when the five-minute countdown starts. Then at one minute, you're going to see this sign go up. 
indicating that that's all the time that they have left. And then at 30 seconds, you're gonna see this sign go up, and that's just indicating that they need to go ahead and wrap up. And then at the 10 second mark, you're gonna see a countdown come up on the screens, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. By the time it hits zero, they need to be finished. And at that point, you're gonna jump up on your feet and just give them a huge round of applause. Is everybody in? All right, are you guys in? All right, we're ready to do this, so let's just go ahead and introduce our first speaker. Our first speaker comes all the way from Eastern Tennessee. He's got the accent to prove it. He has the accent to prove it. There is no doubt about it. But here's what I know about him. He has a heart for this house. That's right. He has a heart for your kids because he's one of our teachers in the Arrows class. He's been serving here faithfully at Freedom House, one of our top dogs in the FH Kids Ministry. Get on your feet. Welcome Mr. Sam Taylor. Good morning, Freedom House. So this morning, I would like to spend my time talking about the white elephant gift of the memory of every mistake you have ever made. I want to talk about not only the pain and the anguish that you felt because of the mistake, but the damage you know you inflicted on someone else, and more importantly, and what I've struggled with for the longest time, the impact and the damage it could have had on your future had God not intervened in your life. Most, if not all of us, have been there. There has been a point where, but God, something terrible would have happened. You might have lost your job. You might have lost your home, your family, your life. Whatever it was, God in his infinite grace and mercy reached out and covered you. And in that moment, you are, praise Jesus, this was amazing. And I want to tell everybody, this is what God has done for me. But then Satan shows up. And Satan says, hey, I think it is awesome that God forgave you, but I don't think people are going to. So instead of talking about all the things God did to save you, why don't you just cover that up. Why don't you just look over here and focus on this? See, what Satan wants you to believe is that you need to hold on to the hurt. Because if you hide it and you keep the pain fresh, it will be the way that hopefully keeps you from making the same mistake. But what God says is just give me that mess. Because if you give it to me, I'll take the pain away and we can use it for something better. See, fundamentally, there are two things you have to always remember about God. First and foremost, he loves you more than you can possibly imagine. He loves you so much that 2,000 years ago, he sent his son to die for you and wash away your sins before you were ever born. So if he's already paid the price for your mistake, why 2,000 years later are we sitting here trying to pay them back with interest? And more importantly, and this is, this is the most important point I want to drive home today. If you will give God your mistakes, your addictions, your pain, and you will set it at the foot of the cross, he will do something amazing. He is going to take your mistake, your addiction, your problem, and he is going to transform that into experience. He is going to take the shame 
the anguish, the pain, and he is going to turn that into wisdom. He is going to take you from somebody who is frustrated and sad at the fact that they have damaged and hurt lives into somebody who is motivated and fired up to work for the kingdom to go and change lives. In my case, he took somebody who had an incredibly foul mouth. Somebody who would say and do anything without regard to how it hurt somebody or what it meant because he wanted to laugh. He wanted to rise. He wanted to be the center of attention. God transformed that into somebody that got into the word and now knows that the power of life and death is in the tongue and who feels a call to go and speak to those arrows and speak to the now generation and let them know, especially in an age of social media, that you have got to guard your heart, guard your mind, and guard your tongue. God took somebody who was reckless, who felt somewhat entitled, who felt that he had it all under control and never really bothered to count the cost, and who more than once got behind the wheel of a car when he should not have. And he transformed that person into somebody who understands how precious life is, how fragile life is, and how great the opportunities are that we have in front of us so that not only do we have a responsibility to shepherd those gifts and opportunities, but I have a responsibility to be a leader for my family and pick up the phone and call the Uber. Now, Freedom House, I will be honest. When we started this, I hadn't even planned to share some of those, and it has been tough for me to talk about them. And I got plenty others back on the rack. But if I'm not going to talk about the goodness of God, how can I ask anybody else to? So if that is you, if you've got one of those things in your life, do me this favor. Don't carry it anymore. Set it down at the foot of the cross. God is going to turn your mess into a message, and we will go, and we will change lives. Freedom House, God bless you. Happy Get up on your feet. Give it up for Sam Taylor. That was so, so, so good. I just have to tell you, we had to pull some of that out of Sam because he didn't want to share some of that ugly stuff. And that's how we all are, right? None of us want to share the things that have, you know, are in our past that we want to be cleansed from, that we have been cleansed from, um, but we don't want to share those. But that's where authenticity is. I mean, it's being real. when That's when people can connect. And so um, we just believe in the authenticity here. And the next speaker that I want to introduce to you is just that. This person is so authentic, authentic to who she is, authentic in relationship, authentic in the way that she leads. And um, I just also want to say that she's part of our FH Kids team here. She's one of the directors here at this campus. And she leads alongside her husband, Adam, and leads our young adults. And so I'm just so grateful for Morgan. Uh, and I want to just, I want everybody to stand up right now and give it up for Morgan Bucky. Oh, thank you. Thank you, guys. All right, turn to a neighbor and say, get up, bro. Get up, bro. Turn to another neighbor. You knew it was coming. Turn to another neighbor and say, get up, sis. Get up, sis. All right, I want to tell you about 2019. It was a really tough year for me, um, which might surprise you because I find the silver lining in everything. But it was actually really tough because within the span of five months in 2019, I found probably 80% of my inner circle to be gone. I uh, think of like mentors and leaders and friends and those that like know the half of the conversation are waiting to hear the other half, you know? 
Um, within the span of five months in 2019, they were no longer in my life for different reasons. You know, I had some leaders that made some decisions that really hurt me and caused me to put up boundaries that I would never have thought I would have to put with those people. In addition, um, my basically like my second mom and dad, uh, the kind that you're like, hey, Michael, give me some food, I'm coming over. You know, like those people, um, they moved. They moved hours away, and that obviously changes the dynamic of a relationship when you can no longer just kick it on their couch. you got to text them or call them. Um, also, one of my best friends stepped into a season of motherhood with twins, two for one, baby. And so moms know that changes. Like, as women, we know that changes the dynamic of our friendships. Um, and in a way, I had to kind of grieve, like, the loss of what that friendship was and step into a new style of that friendship, you know? And so that's all within five months. And then to top that off, at the end of those five months, my grandmother passed away with Alzheimer's. And so, honestly, majority of 2019, I found myself really bitter. I found myself wading in the mud of self-pity, right? Come on. Um, sadness, grief, uh, unforgiveness. And it wasn't until I went and visited my second mom and dad in Pensacola, Florida, that I realized I needed, something needed to change. I was uh, there with Adam and some friends. We had a great time. And the last night we were there, though, I intentionally worked it where, like, everybody else rode in a separate car, and it was just me with them. Literally shut the door, and I just started bawling, crying, still bitter, upset about something, all those things that had happened at that point months and months ago. And I just so vividly remember the stark contrast between the front seat and the back seat. Because in the front, you know, they had experienced a lot of the same things I had in 2019, but they were really hopeful, they were really peaceful, they had joy, and as much as I had wanted them to like get in the back seat with me and be in like my pity party, you know? <laughs> they didn't, which I'm thankful for now, but then I was like, really? Um, <laughs> but it was in that back seat in Pensacola, Florida that night that I realized I needed to get up. Somebody say, get up. Yeah. You know, I realized I had a choice. I could either continue to stay bitter and sad, which is exhausting, come on. Or I could do what I needed to to honestly get up, be in community, be with God, and intentionally work on moving past those things. And I wanna say something, I'm in counseling, no shame in my game, Molly's the best, but, for real. But um, I realized that it's important to have emotional responses to things. Sometimes we feel like, ooh, I'm in my feels. Well, that shows you're human. So if you emotionally respond to something that affects you, that's very normal. That's good. Um, and so I, that's not negating feelings at all. But I just, I found myself sitting in the same feelings weeks, months, maybe years later. And maybe you find yourself in, in here in that same space where, you know, you had that initial response, but you look up months or years later and you're still sitting in it. And it's exhausting. And if so, this maybe is your little love shove to get up too. And so I, I could end with scripture because there's scripture that just talks about Put away all bitterness, right? Don't, don't let the sun go down on your wrath, your anger. But I am going to end with a song. I'm not going to sing it. Don't worry. <laughs> I was going to sing that part and be like, that's all you're getting. They just keep losing my application for the worship team. I don't know what's happening. I'm trying to talk to Leslie about that. Anyway, uh, I want to end with some lyrics. I'm telling you, I listened to this song fully for the first time in years today. Um, but the chorus has just been playing over and over. And in my head, and I don't think that's an accident. So I want you to walk away with the chorus, and that is this. This is your life. Are you who you want to be? There's a song 
that just simply says, this is your life. Are you who you want to be? And honestly, that's what I had to ask myself in the backseat in Pensacola, Florida. Morg, this is your life. Do you want to be bitter? Do you want to be sad? Or do you want to take those steps, especially going into 2020, to do everything you can to live that joyful, peaceful life? And I want to ask that to you today, because maybe it's time for you to get up, because this is your life. Are you who you want to be? Thanks. Great job. Wow. So just because you're on the platform, just because you're a leader, doesn't mean you don't walk through stuff. We just chose to get up. That's what you, you get up more times than you fall down. That's all it is. You call out to God more times than you don't. That's all it is. You just continue to press on and press forward. You know, one of the things I picked up is that she's in counseling. Guess what? I've been in counseling. We had to have a counselor for our marriage. We weren't seeing eye to eye. I was doing softball a bunch, and she felt like that was more of a priority than her. You know, and I'm just like, I just don't get it, and I, I wasn't seeing her side of things. Counseling is a good thing. Sometimes it just takes a different perspective to shine a new light on your situation to where you're like, hmm, okay. Never thought about it that way. Counseling's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with it at all, and I totally say go for it. And call out to God. God will, will show you what you need to do. So awesome job, Morgan. And I, now I get to introduce her husband, who serves our country in the Army. Come on. He is on staff here as our campus uh, care coordinator and basically takes care of everything you see around here and makes sure the seats are in good shape that you're sitting in, that everything out there looks great. And he has a, a heart for this house also. Him and his wife lead our movement, which is our young um, married, not married. Well, they could be married. They could be single, young adult, just young adults. But they do a phenomenal job with that. That continues to grow and grow and grow. So let's get on your feet and give it up for Adam Mokai. For as long as I can remember, I knew exactly what I wanted my life to look like. In fact, as early as sixth grade, I can remember sitting down and planning out my future. Like Morgan was saying, this is my life, and I knew what I wanted to be. <laughs> like a lot of young guys, I dreamed of one day being a firefighter when I grew up, and then I just never grew up. See, my plan was to go to college and study firefighting, get on with a local fire department on my very first try, work there for 25 to 30 years, then I would retire, go somewhere warm, and then one day I would die. <laughs> like, that was my plan. <laughs> and what I thought I found comfort in the fact was that I was in control of my future, but I was soon to find out that this was really a burden that I couldn't carry on my own. My white elephant gift is my plan. So during my junior year of high school, I applied and got accepted to UNC Charlotte. Go 49ers. Yeah. Declared my major as fire safety engineering technology. Now, Stacy, I know there's engineering in the name. Uh, but that is really just a fancy way of saying water goes on fire. <laughs> With a few English and history classes mixed in there. And now, while you may think studying something as simple as fire for four years may sound boring, I was thoroughly enjoying what I was doing, but I knew there was always something that was missing. See, I'd always contemplated the idea of joining the military, but once my plans started to take off, I felt like I didn't have enough time. 
But then, in my sophomore year of college, I decided it was now or never. So in March of 2014, I enlisted in the North Carolina Army National Guard. And so I was doing that for the next few years, and I jumped in wholeheartedly into the military and into college. And so for the next few years, I was dividing my time between military and schooling. And then, as if that wasn't enough, in September of 2015, Morgan and I got married. And so, yes, they give it up for that. Marriage is awesome. Um, so in the span of just a few short years, I had joined the military, gotten married, and graduated college. My plan was on a roll. So, armed with a degree in one hand and the wealth of opportunities in the military in the other, I did what any of you would do. I became a mechanic. <laughs> yes, that is the way that things go, or at least it did for me. Um, and so I joined that profession for a little while, and uh, I, I soon realized that this was not the path that I was supposed to be on. Um, and that's when I got the amazing opportunity to come on staff here at Freedom House. And what I planned to be a temporary position soon turned into a year of doing ministry full-time. But I knew at the end of that year, I had a decision to make. See, I could stick with my original plan and go with what I had grown up doing, my passion, and what my degree was in, that expensive piece of paper, uh, and pursue a career in firefighting. Or I could follow my newfound passion and go active duty in the military and start doing that full-time. I had a decision to make. And so as my year of working at Freedom House drew to a close, I just remember feeling overwhelming, overwhelming anxiety and stress about this decision. I didn't know which direction I was going to go. I felt like I was being pulled in two different directions, and it was just a very stressful time as that year drew to a close. And so uh, at the beginning of every year, we do a church-wide fast, and that whole fast, I remember just praying and asking God which direction I should go, what, what was my plan going to look like uh, as soon as this year was done. And so uh, at the end of that fast, Pastor Troy spoke a message that I had never heard before. And I, ironically enough, it was on Vision Weekend. And the story that he spoke was out of a chapter in the Bible that I never heard, and it was the king of Israel is going to the prophet Elisha. And he goes to uh, ask for a, um, his guidance on the people in the area that they were at war against. And so Elisha tells the king to take some arrows and to strike the ground. So the king takes a bundle of arrows and he strikes the ground three times. And it stops and turns and looks at Elisha. And instead of giving him encouragement, Elisha actually gets angry with the king and he says, why did you only hit the ground three times? Because you only did that, you're only going to succeed three times. Had you done it even more, you would have completely wiped out your enemy, but now you're going to have three successful victories. And so in the midst of my turmoil, in the midst of my decision of struggle, of not knowing which direction I was going to go, in that moment, I remember exactly where I was sitting, God said to me, Adam, I didn't tell you to stop doing what you're doing. See, I thought that I had to pick between one of my two plans, but God told me that there was a third option. And I was to continue doing ministry because he hadn't told me to stop. In that moment, he showed me that my plan was not his plan and that I needed to hand over control of my life and trust in him. And after allowing God to guide my steps, I feel so much more peace because I no longer have to bear the burden of my plan on my own. And so for the first time in my life, I don't know what my future looks like. But even in the unknown, I'm thankful God gives us peace when we trust him with our plans. Good job! Woo! Such a great story. And I just love the fact that we can trust God in the unknown. Like, we may not know the next step, 
But if we have a relationship with God, the word says that God orders the steps of the righteous. And so we can have confidence in those steps as we move forward. And so, you know, when we're just seeking God for our future and when we listen to him and when we take the the next step, whatever that is, uh, God will come through and he'll show you a clear path. He'll make that path straight. And so thank you for sharing that, Adam. Third choice, third option, God's option. I love that. Uh, so our next speaker, um, she is incredible. Like she is, she's like one of those that does it all. You know, she's a mom, uh, she's a wife, um, and she also leads here as a life group leader. She um, serves at our special events. Like she oversees all of baptism like she did last time, which I was so incredibly thankful for. Um, but she's just one of these girls, like you can, if you give her something, she's gonna handle it. She's got it. Um, and so uh, she was a corporate, corporate marketing executive um, previously in the real world, and today she owns her own branding and marketing firm. So I want you to stand up on your feet and give it up for Nikki Bradley. I'm Nikki, and I'm a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> at, at least that's what I had always told myself. I'm that girl that wears the S on her chest. <laughs> Overachiever, that Destiny's Child song, you know the one. All my ladies who independent, throw your hands up. Yeah, that song was written for me. <laughs> so when I was asked what I was going to talk about today, about my white elephant, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to talk about because I don't think I have a white elephant. And so I asked God, I was like, God, you got to help me. Tell me what I'm supposed to share about with the people. And so I waited and I waited. And he was like, open your Bible and read. He wakes me up at 4.30 in the morning. And he's like, read your Bible. So he brings me to Jeremiah and it said, how long will you wander, O unfaithful daughter? The Lord will create a new thing on earth. And I was like, God, you can't be talking to me because I've been faithful. <laughs> and he was like, oh, for real, girl. So I, I don't know how your conversations go with God, but to me, he sounds like my voice in my head, but he says the things that I need to hear, but that I wouldn't say to myself. <laughs> so he was like, oh, for real, girl, you've been faithful in all things. And I was like, well, maybe not all. So we're going to take a quick Oxford break here. The Oxford Dictionary says that being faithful means to have complete trust and confidence in someone or something, and it's that word complete. That's the sticking point. So let me tell you how this works out in my life. See, I was giving God my messes and my problems, check. And I was trusting him to do the miraculous for everybody except for me. And I'll give you an example. I love the Authentic Conference. And this year, I got to serve on the Authentic team. And so like we do for all of our events, before the conference started and everybody walked in, I was in the auditorium, and I literally laid hands on every seat in the auditorium. And I prayed over every seat. And the women that were going to come in, I prayed for their transformation, for their breakthrough, specific prayers for all the women, every seat except for mine. And let me tell you how I know I skipped over my seat because it literally had my name on the seat and I skipped over it. Now, why would I do that? I've been wrestling with that question ever since conference. And at 4.30 in the morning, he finally answered that question for me. See, I had been, I wasn't fully trusting my heavenly father to give me the desires of my heart. 
because my earthly father had disappointed me time and time again, and because I wasn't trusting him, I wasn't fully trusting him. And I had skipped over my seat for the same reasons that I had stopped believing God to answer my, my prayers because I wasn't trusting him that he would answer them. See, I was born into a loving family, and I was truly a daddy's girl. But around the time that I started going to school, I started to see things that no little girl that age should be exposed to because my dad was a drug addict. And around the age of five, I actually saw him using drugs when he didn't think that I saw him. And I specifically remember a time that he took my younger sister and I with him into a part of town that we had no business being in. And he left us in the car at a time when my mom was away and just so he could go score drugs. Now my mom, who is the strongest woman that I know, did what any strong mama would do. She scooped up her babies and she helped us to escape from that situation. But what I remember more than anything are all the broken promises. The missed dance recitals, the graduations, my wedding. But what I know is that the man that I should have been able to trust more than anyone who should have been my hero is the one who let me down over and over again. But we were never meant to make any man or woman our hero because we will all fail at some point. And I love the relationship that my husband has with our daughter, but at some point he'll make mistakes too. And as parents, we will mess up. But what I need her to know is where her help really comes from. And at some point she's going to have life experiences that will leave hurts and holes in her that only one man can fill, and that's Jesus. So what he showed me at 4.30 in the morning is that only he can fill those hurts and holes that we have. And I challenge you to trust him like I did now when he showed me that at 4.30 in the morning. See, what I had always called my perfectionism underneath it all was really just disappointment, mistrust, and self-reliance. And so I'm giving all of that back, and I'm exchanging it for full reliance in him. Because what I know now is that when I give that to him, he will give me the desires of my heart. Excellent. Wow, what a message. So, if you've ever been done wrong by somebody, which is probably everybody in this room, everybody online, and everybody out there that's not even in this room right now, there's hope. There's hope in God, God the Father. You know, so, so long we carry things for years and years and don't even realize we're carrying them until one day we get that awakening. And God says, just give it to me. I got you. I got you. No worries. So awesome message, Nikki. Our next speaker, you've probably seen her out at Guest Central. You've probably seen her at special events serving her and her family, her husband, David, and her two kids. Uh, they come here faithfully. And uh, Stacy Jarrett is a civil engineer by trade, and her and her husband own her own firm. So I'm very, very excited about what she has to share with you. I've already heard it once. You're in for a treat. Let's get on our feet. Give it up for Stacy, Jarrett. I received a white elephant at 18 when I began having symptoms like heart attacks and advanced arthritis. After two years of a lot of doctors and tests, I remained undiagnosed. 
I have up to 50 mild to severe chest pains every day. It seems every muscle in my body hurts at times, but my left arm is constant. I had to stop most physical activities. Walking upstairs feels like walking in deep water, and yet I had a fear of elevators. <laughs> Reoccurring nightmares of drowning also came, which is how I feel when I struggle to breathe during a chest pain. Anything I grab too tightly cramps my hands. I've gotten stuck on a lot of door handles in my day. <laughs> and when I shook someone's hand, I couldn't let go, which turns out to be very awkward. You should try it. <laughs> While pregnant with my two children, I was hospitalized six times and on bed rest for three months. My daughter was born not breathing, but thankfully God quickly saved her. As soon as my kids were old enough, they've joined my husband in helping me by opening containers, cutting my food, helping me stand up, and even holding my hand while I lay on my back, crying from the pain and gasping for air during chest pains. At 34, the pain had become so great that I was angry with God, and I wondered how good he really was. I went through more doctors and tests, and I even researched elective amputation of my left arm because of the constant pain. Finally, at 36, I was diagnosed with a rare neuromuscular disorder. There's no cure, but there are some medications that help minimize some of my symptoms. As my neurologist explained my disorder to me, God's immense faithfulness washed over me. During my chest pains, they restrict my lungs and stress my heart and theoretically could kill me if, I, if they don't release in time. During the thousands of chest pains I've had, while I was struggling to catch my breath, God was breathing his into me. There are several medications that could kill me that are used for anesthesia. I had had five surgeries and wasn't given any of those common medications by the grace of God. My doctor was shocked that my body was physically able to give birth twice, and he was equally shocked that both my children survived. Their survival, in fact, was unexplainable by him, the national specialist for my disease. God specializes in the unexplainable, though, doesn't he? He's been with me every step of the way. For 26 years, I've asked him for the unbearable pain to be bearable, and for each chest pain not to be the one that ends my life here on earth, especially in front of my children, and he's graciously provided, even when I didn't know he was with me. But earlier this year, it occurred to me, what I'd been asking him all this time for was a crutch instead of my complete healing. So at Freedom House's team night in April, I felt the Holy Spirit nudging me, so I went up for prayer for the first time ever, and the tiny but mighty Kiera, <laughs> believed in a God-sized miracle with me. Stand up and wave, girlfriend. <laughs> she prayed over me so fiercely that I sobbed like a baby, and I don't like to do that in public. <laughs> um, and within two months, I was weaned off my medications and improving. But then I started getting worse again. And finally, during a severe chest pain, I called out to God with an overwhelming sadness because I truly believed he was gonna heal me, and I was exhausted. And as I lied on the floor and cried in pain and the over, the all too familiar feeling of panic started to return as I started to struggle to breathe again, I heard a voice calmly say, this is the last one. I've had chest pains almost daily for 26 years, but I haven't had a severe one since that night six months ago. <laughs> God, God is still doing miracles today. 
I'm not completely healed yet, but I no longer wear a metal bracelet. I no longer have a fear of elevators or nightmares of drowning. I rode a bike for the first time in 16 years, <laughs> and then I bought one. <laughs> and I ran in six races with my husband and a friend. <laughs> so what made it possible? For the three years I've attended Freedom House, I've learned from our teaching team here biblical truths, and I've worked to apply them. And I've immersed myself in this church's community. I had been in other churches most of my life, but I'd always kept them at arm's length and never got too involved. Here, I joined life groups, and then I started leading them, and I started serving regularly. And that's where I saw the people of this house dream big and share their amazing miracles. And over time, you changed my perspective, and you helped me believe in something that I didn't think was possible. Matthew 7, 7 says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. We serve a big God, so let's not limit his greatness anymore. White elephants will come, but with God, they can also go. Incredible. Such an incredible story of faithfulness and God operating and orchestrating things so that you, so that she can receive her healing. And when she told it last night, and I've heard it before in run-throughs because we've done a couple, but when she told it last night, something really stood out to me and God reminded me of something. He reminded me that that was the first team night that we'd done that we offered prayer for our volunteers. God had placed that on my heart because our volunteers give so much. And I just wanted to create a space for them so that they could experience God and, and receive prayer because they're always giving out. God spoke that to my heart so that she could receive her healing that particular night. That's what God does. He orchestrates things for our healing. And today, I just, I don't think that we should leave 2019 without leaving the baggage behind. You know, when you look back over your shoulder at life and you just look at your past and you look back, you're gonna see a trail of baggage that you've dropped over the years. You know, maybe for some of you, you're still carrying it along, you're still dragging it along and it's getting heavy and you're getting exhausted, just like Stacy was. You know, and, and maybe for some of you, you've, you've left it behind and you're good and you're, you're ready to roll into 2020, but maybe for some of you, you have left baggage, but you've decided to pick it back up and start carrying it again. You haven't really left it at God's feet. And I believe that he's saying today that it's time to leave it at my feet, to leave it at my altar. And so I want all of you to just stand with us right now. The worship team's gonna come out and they're gonna sing a song of God's love over you. And as he does this, if you wanna surrender anything, we want you to just make your way out of your seat and come right down front. If there's any baggage that you feel like you're still carrying that you wanna leave in 2019, now's the time. Don't walk into 2020 dragging that stuff along. You've heard five amazing stories today of how God has operated in these people's lives to bring freedom. And we want you to walk into 2020 unencumbered, unhindered by your past. 
because Jesus came to free us. This is Freedom House. So don't stay in your seat today. If there's anything that you wanna leave behind, it is time to come forward and respond to what God's gonna do today. See, he came to free you today. You might've thought, hey, I don't know how I got in this auditorium. You might've thought it's an accident that I'm even here. No, God has a plan. He has a vision and a future for you and he wants to give that to you today. But he can't give it to you while you're still holding on to something from your past. And I just wanna share one last quick thing um, with you. You know, many of you know my story and I was abandoned by my father. But a couple years ago, I was abandoned by a friend. And I just remember praying through that and just being so hurt by that. And I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know how to handle it. It just hurt so badly. And I just, I remember taking walks in my neighborhood and just crying out to God and talking to God. But you know what? He didn't respond. I couldn't hear him. And I just felt like, you know what, God, I've been abandoned many times throughout my life. Why are you abandoning me too? I didn't feel like God was there with me. I felt like I was alone in that moment. And I just, I, I got so frustrated and I said to my husband, I can't hear God. I don't know what is going on, but I can't hear him. I said, I need to just get out of town. I need to create some space where I can just talk with him and listen to him. And so we went up to the mountains at the end of a long, hot summer. And I just went out on the porch the morning that we woke up there and it was cool. And it was the, it was a cool breeze that I'd felt for the first time after a really long, hot summer. And I felt that breeze and I, I just said, okay, God, I feel you. Could you just talk to me? Could you just say something to me? Because I can't hear you right now. And in a few minutes, I heard two words, just two. It's all I needed to hear though. He said, gaping wound. And I thought, gaping wound, what does that mean? He said, you're like that little girl who has this wound. She just fell down and busted her knee wide open. And you know, you go running to your mother, but when you get to her, you have the knee covered because you know it's gonna hurt when she applies the medicine. And he said, I can't get to it as long as you have it covered. I can't heal you as long as you won't expose it to me. When you give it to me, I'll be able to heal you. And I said, okay, God, I'm giving it to you right now. And I just let him know what my disappointments were and what my hurts were. And I just spilled them out before God. And he came and he ministered to me in that moment. And I believe that that's what he came to do for you today. So as the worship team sings, I want you just to get out of your seat. Just come to the front. If there's anything that you're holding on to that you haven't given to God, now is your day. Come on. Yeah, He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. Oh, how He loves He loves us. Yeah, He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. Because we are His portion and He is our prize. Draw to redemption by the grace in His eyes if His grace is an ocean we're all sinking 
So heaven meets, so heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss in my heart turns violently inside of my chest. I don't have time to maintain these regrets when I think about. Let's sing that again. Where's portion? Because we are his portion and he is our prize. Drawn to redemption by the grace in his eyes. If his grace is an ocean, we're all seeking. Yeah, so heaven needs earth like a sloppy wet kiss, and my heart turns violently inside of my chest. right now just raise your hand nobody's looking around just raise your hand wow hands all over the room I love it you know what we're gonna pray and I also am going to pray over the people who have responded today and so I just want everybody to repeat after me Jesus I'm so grateful that you came to rescue me and to restore me I believe that you died for me. I believe that your blood washes me of all my sins, of all my mistakes. And I believe that you're gonna take a mess and make it a message. And I am gonna walk into 2020 free. I am free. And whom the sun sets free is free indeed. In Jesus' name. Amen.